0: The latest from 7 News with Michael Usher. Good evening and welcome. Tonight, travel bubbles and vaccine passes. What life looks like after the 80% target. Striking gold. Six Australian wins on day one of the Paralympics. Our first medalist joins me. Plus Paralympian and Afghanistan veteran Curtis McGrath. Reflects on the deadly chaos there before heading to Tokyo. And new details. The plan to send the AFL Grand Final to Perth. But first... The country's moving ever closer to reaching our vaccination targets and we're getting a clearer picture of what life will look like when we do. After a record 307,000 people got the jab yesterday, Australia has administered more than 17.7 million vaccines. More than half of Australians over 16 have at least one dose and more than a third are fully vaccinated. In 69 days, on the 2nd of November, 70% of the eligible population will have had both jabs. And 80% will be fully vaccinated in 87 days on the 20th of November. The government says it's focused on introducing travel bubbles with countries like the UK, the US and some Pacific islands if the current speed of vaccination keeps pace. Our political reporter, Jen Beshwady, is in Canberra this evening. Jen, hello to you. So this is going to be top of the agenda at National Cabinet meeting.
2: That's right, Michael. What restrictions will ease once we hit 70 to 80% of the population that's fully vaccinated? What are the incentives? Well, today we got a small glimpse. What's being discussed is access to restaurants, to hotels, to sporting events. Vaccinated Australians won't need to isolate if there's an outbreak. Domestic travel will resume at 70% and at 80% international travel. Here's the Tourism Minister, Dan Tien, speaking in Parliament today
3: outbound international restrictions will be lifted and travel bubbles will be expanded. So not only will we have the travel bubble with New Zealand, but the Pacific Islands, Singapore, South Korea, Japan, the US, the UK are all possibilities.
2: A fully vaccinated Australians won't need to go into hotel quarantine when they return, Michael. Mm. But when this actually happens is still unclear. Discussions will resume before Christmas when we reach that 80% target. But flights probably won't resume until next year. It is still something to look forward to, though.
0: Is indeed now, Jen. The PM says there will be enough vaccines for children in coming months.
2: That's right. Also on the National Cabinet agenda this Friday, vaccinating high school students. The Immunisation Board is expected to recommend that children aged between 12 to 15 get the vaccine as soon as possible and premiers will decide how that will happen. Now, schools are closed in some states, including New South Wales and Victoria, so it will need to be done at GPs and pharmacies and then down the track we can talk about school immunisation programs and as 7 News revealed tonight, uh, some of those shots, particularly for students in hotspot areas could resume as soon as Monday and the Prime Minister did insist today that there is enough Pfizer doses to vaccinate children alongside the rest of the population. Michael?
0: All right, Jen in Canberra, thank you. Infected patients in Sydney have been telling their harrowing COVID stories from their hospital beds as they try and fight off the virus. Just take a listen to Fawaz, a father of six whose entire family is also infected. And I was very careful of where I went and what I did and I don't know how I caught this virus
4: and uh, I'm not doing too well at the moment. My fever, the headache, my breathing. It's terrible. i got my kids in somewhere in, in, in Westmead. i got my wife in another hospital. I'm in another hospital. It separated
5: us. It takes a toll on you physically and mentally, this virus. Like, it's not just a physical. I've had two kids. I've had a major operation. I've never had to recover or push myself to try and recover, like, mentally this much. All I can think about is my children that I haven't seen in a very long time. And this is for them.
0: Our reporter Serena Andaloro is live at Concord Hospital tonight. Serena, uh, these stories come on another record day for Sydney.
6: Yeah, Michael, good evening to you. These bedside interviews really are eye-opening, aren't Mm. they? A real insight into the state of play inside our hospitals at the moment. And on a day, as you mentioned, that we recorded record cases, 919 new cases, the most this country has ever seen. 76 people have died because of this outbreak, A a staggering 76 people in total. And this virus is putting incredible strain on our health system. Concord Hospital, where we're at, is... Is one of five hospitals across city that have, has been forced to turn COVID patients away. They're simply uh, so overwhelmed. Uh, Nepean, Hornsby, Blacktown 2 at Westmead, which is in the middle of that Cumberland hotspot, the epicentre of the virus. A code yellow emergency has been declared. Its emergency uh, unit has been forced to set up makeshift sure facilities to deal w- with the sheer number of COVID patients that they are seeing. And even tonight on the scanners, we were hearing that they are not accepting anyone with any respiratory problems. So the system is stretched and it's under stress.
0: Indeed. All right. Serena Andaloro in Sydney, thank you. The AFL has announced Perth's Opta Stadium as the backup venue if COVID puts a spanner in the grand final at the MCG. The capacity available at Opta Stadium is 100%, and that's pretty compelling to have as many people as we can see the biggest and best sporting event in the country. Well, for more, we're joined by Andrew McCormack at the MCG tonight. Andrew, good evening to you. It's pretty big news. So when's the the AFL actually going to make a call on this?
1: Well, Michael, all roads do lead to Optus Stadium in Perth, but the AFL does have to wait for the Victorian Government to uh, finally concede that the the AFL grand final won't be at the MCG for a second straight year. Now, that's expected to happen uh, early next week. They are holding out some sort of hope for a Hail uh, Mary-type play for the grand final, but uh, it really is all but over for the MCG for a second straight year. So the AFL today came out and uh, made this announcement because they have locked in Optus Stadium. Uh, ahead of the Adelaide Oval, as you heard Gillian McLaughlin say there, the, uh, the full capacity, a 60,000 strong crowd at Optus Stadium uh, was the reason that they chose Perth over a, a half full, or say 30 to 40,000 crowd at the Adelaide Oval. So uh, early next week we should get an official decision that uh, the grand final for a second straight year is heading out of Victoria, this time to Perth. Uh, Interestingly enough, of course, with the time difference, uh, a grand final at Optus Stadium in Perth, likely a twilight grand final right. for us in in the eastern states over here. So uh, a 5pm start potentially it hasn't been locked in, yeah. but that's uh, what we're looking at, uh, a 3pm start over in Perth. So uh, it was up at the Gabba. Under lights looked great last year and uh, Optus Stadium will look even better. You suggest uh, it's a twilight grand final for 2021, Michael?
0: Yeah, it's a pretty good stadium. Big changes all around. All right, Andrew McCormack at the MCG. Thank you. A huge surge in demand for vaccines in Victoria has crashed the website and left people on hold for hours on end. Georgia Loves, live at the Royal Melbourne Hospital with more. Uh, Georgia, good evening to you. It was younger Victorians who caused the surge, we understand.
5: They have. Good evening, Michael. It's what young Victorians have waited for for six months today. Pfizer bookings were available for 16 to 39 year olds. It's great news how many of our younger Melbournians turned out to get the jab but it put enormous pressure on our booking system. The website crashed and the online booking, sorry the phone booking system was totally clogged. They had 1.3 million calls before 11am today and at its peak our website had 50,000 hits per minute.
3: We have seen an absolutely extraordinary uh, level of influx of bookings through our state-run clinics this morning and um, uh, we've seen the system put under substantial pressure but at the same time we've also seen huge numbers of bookings being made.
7: 25,000 bookings had been made by 9am this morning. Now, the Victorian government has
5: vowed to prioritise our final year school students. The aim is to get all year 12s double-dosed by October so they can be back in the classroom before the final exams. Yeah,
0: that's very much needed. Uh, Meanwhile, Georgia, still concerning case numbers today in Victoria.
5: Unfortunately, there are, yes, 45 new cases today. That is a decrease on the last few days. But what's concerning is that there were nine new mystery cases again today. And they're from suburbs right across suburban Melbourne. Also, more cases popping up in Shepparton. The system there is being overwhelmed with hospitals and schools involved. And it is a small community. Now, of those nine mystery cases no links whatsoever. It's got the health department fearing that people aren't getting tested until they've got symptoms. They say in some cases for a week people have had symptoms before they've got tested. Our biggest hospital, Royal Melbourne, where I am tonight, is of concern. Four new cases there today, two staff members and two patients. That's caused 100 staff members to be furloughed, so ambulances have had to be turned away. Obviously incredibly concerning for many reasons, Michael. One of those is it doesn't look like this lockdown is finishing in a week when it was anticipated to no
0: sadly it doesn't there all right georgia love thank you for that now a protester who attended a demonstration in coolangatta on horseback you might remember this has been handed a large fine the 51 year old man who galloped through the crowds at the new south wales border with queensland has been fined more than seven thousand dollars he was ordered to pay three thousand dollars by the new south wales authorities the other four thousand by queensland for failing to comply with a health direction Well, Queensland has pressed pause on all arrivals from COVID-affected states for two weeks, including New South Wales and Victoria. The Premier gave just two hours' notice today to stop an influx of new arrivals.
4: We often
2: don't know from day to day how many people are coming into Queensland uh, from other states. They just uh, turn up, they have their, their pass and they just turn up and then they're just needing hotel quarantine. So that means that we are scrambling for hotels so we simply just do not have any room at the moment we are are reassessing we are looking at other options but Queensland is being loved to death
0: right Georgie Chumley is live in Brisbane tonight Georgie good evening to you so what is the situation there
8: Good evening, Michael. Well, in short, our hotel quarantine system is at capacity. Currently, there are more than 5,000 people in hotel quarantine and more than half of those are domestic arrivals. Just to put this all into context, in the past fortnight, the Queensland government has uh, issued exemptions, border exemptions, to people moving here permanently to Queensland, 2,750 people. So a massive number of people coming into Queensland. Now, this news all broke just after after 10 this morning so people who were already on flights coming in from Sydney and Melbourne were able to land but there were plenty of people waiting at the airports who were devastated by this news mm. and hundreds of people have been affected. Families who have packed up their lives, they've quit their jobs and now they're in limbo for the next two weeks while they wait to be given a time when they can relocate here to Queensland.
0: Of course a lot of confusion today now Georgie more reinforcement though at the New South Wales border
8: That's right. There are 120 ADF personnel who've been deployed on the border. They're joining police there and they're trying to crack down and avoid anything like we saw with those protests on Sunday. There have also been other people hopping over the border and going over the border by foot. So they're certainly trying to avoid any of that with these stronger border restrictions. And uh, they're reminding everyone that there's a $4,000 fine for anyone who comes into Queensland unlawfully. All
0: right, Georgie Chumlee in Brisbane tonight. Thank you for that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. The U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris was delayed en route to Vietnam after suspected cases of Havana syndrome struck down American diplomats. The mysterious condition has affected hundreds of U.S. officials over the past few years. Incidents began in late 2016 in Cuba, baffling doctors with symptoms including sudden vertigo and debilitating headaches. After careful risk assessment, the Vice President's delegation decided to continue with her trip. The British Foreign Minister, Dominic Raab, has promised to use every remaining hour to evacuate people from Kabul. Western troops are ramping up evacuation efforts after US President Joe Biden rejected pleas from G7 leaders to extend his withdrawal deadline. Australian flights airlifted a further 950 people out of the Afghan capital in the 24 hours to this morning, including about 200 former Australian embassy security guards and their families. Australia is currently sitting at the top of the table after racking up six gold medals on day one of the Paralympic Games. In the last hour, Ben Popham won the S8 100 metre men's freestyle. It's fantastic. Take a look at the victory. in
6: front and swimming well. Lane six is coming. Nicolai Popham gets it. Get it. He held the ball. And oh. gets his goal. Oh, look at him. Look at the emotion.
1: Oh, God, no, I can't myself.
0: Oh, just wonderful. And now have a look at this. Family and friends in Perth cheering him on. But it was cyclist Paige Greco who claimed the first obliterating her own world record in the women's C3 3000 metre individual pursuit. Now have a look at that spectacular moment earlier today.
3: Is she going to do it? Of course she's going to do it. A gold medal next to all of those world championship medals. A legendary resume already and a world record. Well done, Paige Greco.
0: And Paige joins us from Shizuoka. Now, oh Paige, good evening to you. Congratulations. I tell you what, you pulled off the race of your life today. What went through your mind as you crossed that line?
7: I, first I thought, oh, my God, I've, um, I've done it. <laughs> I looked at the scoreboard um, straight away once I crossed the line I... Um, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was, And then I looked at the time, and it was a world record. And, yeah, um, I, just, I kept thinking, oh, my God, I can't believe it, I did it.
0: No, yeah. it was... And you were, you were so yeah, wonderfully was emotional amazing straight amazing afterwards moment. as well. Tell me, what are the messages you've been getting from home? No doubt you've been bombarded with great messages from friends and
7: family. Yeah, I've had um, so many messages, so I'm still replying to everyone. But, um, yeah, I had a FaceTime call with... Um, my two sisters and a brother, my parents. So that was, yeah, as soon as I got to the hotel, I um, yeah. yeah went up to my room and faced them.
0: What did they say to I you? hadn't seen,
7: I hadn't spoken to them all day. So um, oh, they just said congrats. So I think we all got a bit emotional. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, they just said really happy. I said thank you to them because I couldn't be here without their support. So,
0: but, I'm just watching you, the vision of you now holding that medal up on the, on, the, on the dais there. What was it like to hold that gold?
7: Oh, it's, um, it's so cool. It's actually a little bit heavy, which um, Have you got it on now? Um, yeah, pretty show- funny, but... I do, yeah, I do. Give us a, give us a show so and tell. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just down here,
0: yeah. Yay! So, it's, um... <laughs> and so congratulations again, Australia's first Paralympic gold medalist of the mm-hmm. Games. Congratulations, Paige, and thanks so much for joining us.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, from one legend to another, Curtis McGrath is a soldier turned world champion athlete. He was 24 years old in August 2012 when he lost both his legs after stepping on a hidden bomb in Afghanistan. In the haze of that moment, as Kurt drifted in and out waiting for rescue, he said to his fellow soldiers they'd one day see him at the Paralympics. Well, just a few years later, he won a gold medal in para canoeing in Rio after captaining the first Australian Invictus Games team in 2014. Now he's going for gold in Tokyo our canoe champion curtis mcgrath joins us now from the gold coast Kurt, good evening so on the eve of taking off for tokyo how are you feeling now that the games are underway
3: yeah it's pretty exciting you know the, the opening ceremony happened and I'm, I'm just super pumped for our team and to, to get the show on the road because it's been a long time coming
0: has indeed now you're physically fit but not competition fit because of all the COVID restrictions how challenging is that
3: yeah, well, it has been difficult, you know, not being able to travel overseas for international competitions and uh, trying to see where you're at and what sort of gauging on if your training's actually working. It's been tricky, but, you know, we, we know what we want to achieve and, and we know sort of where the standard is. But it's just a matter of being as best prepared as we can while, right here in Australia.
0: So I guess the big question, Kurt, what do you think your chances are of uh, bringing home gold?
3: Um, yeah, I guess the... The field's going to be pretty tough and I would like to be able to stand on top of the podium twice, but uh, I can only go out there and do my best and, and race my own race and, and put in everything I've got. So uh, if that's enough to get on top of the podium, I'll be stoked with that. You're departing for Tokyo
0: against the backdrop of deadly chaos in Afghanistan, the place where your life changed while serving. What are your thoughts for Afghanistan right now?
3: Yeah, it is an absolute tragedy uh, what's happening over in Afghanistan, I think uh, my my heart goes out to all the people there that are suffering and you know I I believe that we we went there with the right intentions and we we did some really good things and gave a generation of of young people uh, some freedoms and some opportunity to see what life can be like uh, without the tyranny of of the Taliban so hopefully we can um, get all our Australians out and and safely and and avoid any bloodshed so you know my my focus has obviously been on the on the games and, and trying to push forward to that, but obviously it's a little bit of a distraction on the side, but uh, again my, my heart goes out to the people of Afghanistan.
0: Are your thoughts with anyone in that country that you may have met or helped in the villages and regions where you were patrolling?
3: Yeah, well, I, I didn't necessarily meet anyone in particular that, that in my mind. There was one man um, a couple of days before I got injured in Afghanistan that came up and and told us thank you for coming in to his area around his village and clearing away some IEDs, some improvised explosive devices and helping his his community you know, have you know, some safe passage through their region and you know, that, that man he was quite old and he's seen a lot and, and has been through a lot in his country And I think you know, with everything that's been going on there I can take away that what I did there was a good thing and, and um, I can, I'm very content with my contribution to that country
0: This is a difficult question I know but have you let yourself think about your sacrifice in Afghanistan only to now see that country fall back into the hands of the Taliban?
3: Obviously it is a much of like was it worth it Uh, was the 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 sacrifice of of the the 41 that died over there and sorry the 40 that died and um, the you know the the loss of limbs that I sustained and and my friends and and some colleagues and have been wounded both mentally and physically so um, the, the it's all up to the the perspective of one person and for me you know I'm content what what I did there was the right thing you know I was there looking for improvised explosive devices and and helping them uh have a safe passage to wherever they were going whether it was to school or to work or just to see their mum you know all that sort of thing needs to be you know packaged up in your own sort of way and and process so for me and and my team and what we achieved there I believe we did the right thing
0: had a very dangerous job in Afghanistan clearing landmines, regardless of what's happening there now. Can you reconcile that with the fact that your work undoubtedly saved many lives?
3: Yeah, that's right. And you know, that's what we were trained to do, and it was considered one of the most dangerous uh, roles in Afghanistan. But at the same time, we, you know, uh, are trained in that manner, and we understand that they're the dangers we put ourselves uh, in. But uh, you know, that whatever. Um, whoever you know, passes over that IED whether it's a soldier or, or a school bus you know trying to get rid of those uh, indiscriminate devices are really important and, and that's why I'm, I'm pretty content with our contribution to Afghanistan.
0: But it's a difficult time are you in contact with other servicemen and women who served in Afghanistan and how are you all helping each other right now?
3: Yeah, there is um, a lot of uh, angst and, and um, sort of heartbreak collectively throughout the veteran community and throughout my my team that I was over there with, we all do, um, you know, talk and, and make sure each other's all right and, and hoping that, you know, we can all communicate and, and talk about our feelings uh, as we push through and, and see what's happened there and uh, thankfully, you know, the, the communication's been good and it's been nice to be able to have a yarn to them and, and see how they're going.
0: Well, focusing on the Paralympics right now, Kurt, for you in particular, obviously it's been a little difficult with everything going on in Afghanistan, but I can tell you this huge amount of support in the wake of the Olympics, there's a lot of excitement about these games in the next two weeks.
3: Yeah, it's going to be exciting times. I think you know the, the coverage that Channel 7 put on for the Olympics is great, and you know, I hope that the uh, the coverage is just the same for the, the Paralympics. and we can look forward to sitting in our living rooms and and cheering us on because we won't have our friends and family on Mm. the sidelines there. And I think Australia is going to have to cheer pretty loud to to bring us home.
0: And we will be. There's no doubt about it. Great talking to you, Curtis McGrath. Thank you.
3: Cheers. Thank you, Michael.
7: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.
0: Welcome back. The Australian Children's Commissioner and Education Minister have raised concerns children will never catch up on the face-to-face schooling they've missed in lockdown. They want the National Cabinet to consider opening all schools as a priority, but with most school children still unvaccinated, the big question is, is it worth the risk? I'm joined by marketing expert Dee Madigan and journalist Carolyn Ovington once again. Good evening to you both. Great to have you here. Dee, let me go to you first. Your thoughts on this?
4: Look, we know with this new Delta strain, 15% of those um, infected are children. Now, only 2% of those ended up in hospital. That's still 2% of kids in hospital. That's still a lot. We also know that there's teachers in regional areas, particularly who aren't even vaccinated yet. So I think even if you put the children aside until all teachers are vaccinated, it is a big ask. And I get, and I have three children at home, you know, schooling at the moment. Would love to get them back, but I think we need to be really, really careful about how we proceed here. Carolyn,
0: are you concerned about this?
9: I would have the schools open. I would have the schools open immediately if it was up to me. I think that the uh, the amount of disruption to children's lives has been an absolute catastrophe. Children need to be in the classroom. They need to be learning. They need to be with their friends. They do not need to be at home day in, day out with their parents trying to homeschool. We know that it's an impossible ask for parents, in particular women, who are working full time and then ask, being asked to homeschool the children at the same time. And we also know from all the data overseas that COVID is not a serious disease for children. I mean, in all all of Britain, I think the number of children who died was, uh, was under 100. Almost all had comorbidities, serious illnesses that required respirators to breathe and that kind of thing. And while it is true that all the, the deaths of all children is a tragedy, the death of anyone from COVID is a tragedy, we cannot go on locking up the entire community for months and months and months on end with no end in sight until 95% or 98% of people are vaccinated because that will never happen. We have to get on with our lives. Do you think that all teachers at least should be vaccinated? I mean, teachers are able to get vaccinated right now, D. There's Dee. In, no, in regional
4: areas, they're not. There's absolutely, no absolutely no reason not.
9: for somebody not to be vaccinated anymore because there are thousands of appointments in Victoria yesterday. Something like 15,000 people didn't even bother to turn up. Now, that, when most because of the community <laughs> has had enough... There are appointments out there. I've, I've been on the websites myself. You can book an appointment at a Chemmart, Priceline Chemist, tomorrow. They will fit you in tomorrow. <laughs> and Gladys Berejiklian has been towns. on the radio today saying there are tens of thousands of appointments available. There are also in New South Wales almost 6,000 people with COVID, apparently... Isolating at home. There are 6,000 cases in the community. If I was not vaccinated, I'd want to get vaccinated really fast because your chances of getting it at the moment is higher in New South Wales than it's ever been. Get vaccinated Hello, with whatever are vaccinate when it comes you can find. To
4: regional areas, those teachers, some of them, the earliest appointments they can get are October, and these are teachers
9: who want to get vaccinated. You are allowed to leave your home for the purpose of vaccination. There is a vaccination hub in Sydney which didn't even have a queue today get in Tell there what, they're supposed to drive five hours i don't care get how far they, i don't care how far they drive our lives need to get back to normal they're we cannot teachers. go on they're, waiting for mr and mrs kefoops to decide whether or not they're anti-vax it's crazy it's a deadly teachers. disease we're in they a pandemic guess. We're in a pandemic, it's a deadly disease, people are dying, get vaccinated.
0: It doesn't look like it's going to be schools reopening, but in New South Wales we know that in the next day or so we're going to hear from uh, that state's premier about a restriction rollback uh, next month, I guess a so-called treat, I think they're calling it, for for meeting (laughs) vaccine targets. The treat at this stage, speculated, is it's hair and nail salons are going to be the the first to open. Um, Dee, I know everyone wants a haircut right now and people are desperate for it and a a bit of TLC, but is this the treat you want in lockdown?
4: If I reckon they should just be opening up, if they're going to open up those, just broaden it to beauticians because there's right. a whole lot of women whose foreheads are moving for the first <laughs> time in a very long facial, time. And there are facial
0: expressions.
4: Yeah, yeah, indeed. Obviously, I'm not speaking from personal experience. <laughs> um, but yeah. honestly, that's what you want more than your nails. Um, hair, oh, you know, I'm lucky. I've sort of, you know, it just okay. looks like it looks and I gave myself my own, I did my own foils, which was interesting, but, okay. you know.
0: It worked. Carolyn can you make do with a home haircut or is this one lifting of restrictions you'd like to see?
9: If there is going to be a lifting of restrictions of course everybody would like a haircut I know it's important and I know it's important to get the schools open but what i really like to see is families to be able to get together even in the mm. open air. I mean at the moment you have a situation in both Victoria and New South Wales where people cannot see their loved ones yeah. and it would be wonderful even if you could meet them in a park and if you had to sit on opposite side of a blanket. Please don't share any food because we know that sharing food when you all bring a plate and everybody digs in that's a real, um, te- that's not a test for COVID. COVID's going to infect every single person who sticks their hand in the chicken container. But to be able to see loved ones would be really wonderful. I
0: agree with you on that, but look at the difficulty that there's been in some greater parts of Sydney, just getting families to listen to the message. Yeah. It has taken weeks to get the message through to people that you can't catch up in big family groups. I just wonder whether, whether Gladys Jicklin would risk that one as much as I'd like to see it as well.
9: I agree with you. I think that she probably won't take the risk and she will do something like haircuts, nail salons, beauticians that kind of thing Mm -hmm. but I know there are a lot of people out there who are really hurting. I've heard some examples this week about um, a man who turned 100 who couldn't see his family and they had to sort of uh, drive their cars past and honk their horns. I mean that's really hard. I think the
0: funerals are heartbreaking as well. Oh and the funerals yeah Yeah. and the 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 births of babies
9: and I've got a lady in my street who's expecting a baby and her husband can't go to the scan to see the baby for the first time which is one of the most precious moments that you have as a couple when you're expecting a child Mm. to not be able to see the heart beat for the first time you know there's the heartbeat there it is is a, how do you ever get that moment back and
0: yet in the middle of all this we had that community church in Sydney that got together you know in their <laughs> dozens and now they've been shut down for a week or yeah. so quite rightly
4: I actually had I had the police arrive at my house today and they said um oh we've heard a report that you're COVID positive and um, not isolating is like, OK, well, COVID negative and isolating because I am um, a, a close contact of a child. But you think, oh, my God, there's all this sort of crazy stuff mm-hmm. happening. There's churches going and the police are coming to my house.
9: Yeah, we I had somebody isolating house. and we had the army come by. It was a young guy in fatigues and he knocked on the house where they're meant to be isolating. And, the per- and he stood right back and he had a mask on. It's quite surreal to see it in your own neighbourhood.
0: Dee Carolyn, good to talk to you again. Thank you. you. Pleasure. Well, Jim Rackton's here now with her look at the markets.
7: Thanks, Michael. Some of the enthusiasm seen in markets earlier this week is starting to fade. While local shares still managed to deliver a positive close, it was more of a struggle today in Japan and Hong Kong. We're also looking towards a mixed open on Wall Street. That's as investors tread water ahead of news from the Federal Reserve's annual Jackson Hole Summit being held this week. Oil has staged an impressive recovery in recent days, buoyed by good news out of China, where authorities look to have brought the Delta outbreak largely under control. Meanwhile, the Aussie dollar is flagging slightly now, but it's also had a return to form this week, reaching as high as 72.5 US cents earlier today. Michael.
0: Thank you for your company this evening. From the team here at Seven News, that is the latest. I'm Michael Lusha. Have a good night.